What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. Um, that this has been fun. I hope it's been, I, I know I've kind of gotten to be extremely honest in this Daniel series. And to be honest with you, it's been kind of fun to be extremely honest because I think sometimes in our life, we need to take a step back and refocus. You know I mean, when, when there's a lot of things going on, a lot of times we can lose focus of the things that matter based on the things that it, it, we lose focus on what matters and we focus on what we hear most consistently or see most consistently. And what we're learning is for most of us, if our news source is Facebook or Twitter and all of that other stuff, it's not actually true. It's misinformation. It's not completely all there. So what we've been doing is we've been diving and working through some stories of the book of Daniel, and what we're trying to gather is how are we supposed to live in a culture that doesn't love God? You know what I mean? Daniel's in this culture. We see that he gets taken along into exile. The other thing, though, that we want to see is how God moves in these cultures, because I think something that we can get excited about is that God continually moves in cultures despite whether they love God or not. He moves in cultures because there's somebody that is set apart. There's somebody that is determined not to lay down their faith. Is anybody excited that God is still moving today? You know what I mean? Oh, y'all, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of excited, coach. Come on, listen, I've seen y'all more excited when the Cowboys scored a touchdown, and that's a rarity, okay? Like, come on. Like, we can get excited that God is still moving. What does that mean? He's still present. He's still here. His plan is still unfolding, and he's chosen to use humanity to release that plan. I mean, you, you know it's one of the most inspiring things when it comes to reading the Bible is, is his Holy Spirit. If you said yes to Jesus, you have his Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's some parts of that kind of make it weird. Let me make it real simple for you. God has chosen to move through his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit has never moved separate from humanity. Did you catch that? God has given you his Holy Spirit, and you will not find a story in the Bible where the Holy Spirit doesn't move using somebody, working alongside somebody. So God's plan for advancing the gospel is having the Holy Spirit inside of you and working through you. That's what Paul would say. It is is Jesus Christ working through me. Well, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit in my life and God, me submitting my life to his Holy Spirit and allowing his Holy Spirit to move. That's what, listen, you want to make a difference in culture? That's what it comes down to. Surrendering your wills to the Holy Spirit and, and just letting him use you right where you are, right where you are. Okay, so you got a Bible. Open up to Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. So we last week one, we looked, we saw Daniel, uh, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. They get taken away, right? They're the topic of week one. Last week, we looked at the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Today, Daniel is the main topic of conversation, right? Daniel, we're, we're going to look at a, a super familiar story. It's called Daniel in the Lion's Den. Anybody heard of Daniel in the Lion's Den, right? Some of you are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. Just... Yes, Daniel in the lion's den. It's amazing. Let me give you some background. What's going on? Daniel has been a part of a foreign government for now 40 years. 40 years. In Daniel chapter 6, he's been a part of a pagan, not believing, not God-fearing government. He's been in a governmental role 
for 40 years. And here's the crazy thing. Now he's not even under the original king. Remember, it was King Nebuchadnezzar that took him over from Babylon in the first time. Now he's under King Darius the Mede. So for 40 years, he's serving different kings, and he's still in a, a governmental system. This is the system that Darius sets up. Uh, the, the empire has gotten huge, so he's going to set up 100 sa- uh, 120 satraps throughout the, throughout the empire. And all of these 120 guys are going to report to three administrators. Daniel is one of them. Now, Daniel catches the eye of the king. It says that he stood out because of his extraordinary spirit. What, what do you think that is? The Holy Spirit, yeah. right? The whole, Listen, you can stand out because of the spirit inside of you. Because yeah, the spirit inside of you. Daniel stands out because of his extraordinary spirit. And this Bible says that the king wanted to give him, put him in charge over the whole realm. So Daniel's got a big role, right? Let's look at verse 10. This is what it says. It says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in the upstairs rooms opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to God just as he had done before. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the little things. The little things. Every turn, never say the little things. The little things. Let's pray. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. Ah. God, I thank you that we could just come and sing and that we can just come and worship you. God, and I pray that uh, you're made known because of our devotion to you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. The little things. We, we're a culture that loves big moments. Have you, have you ever sat down and thought about that? Like in the sports world, like we love the buzzer beater three-pointer right? You know what I mean? It's down to the line. I personally hate the fourth quarter of basketball. Just going to be honest with you. Whoever gave them more than three timeouts was poor decision-making, right? If you've ever watched the fourth quarter of a basketball game, the last two minutes last 45. It lasts longer than the entire game itself. It's a true story, right? So, But we love tight games and then watching somebody distribute the ball to the, to the guy that everybody knows is going to take the shot, and then he shoots it, and he makes that buzzer beater, uh, buzzer beater three-pointer. We love that. We love the winning touchdown catch, right? We like watching games that are down to the line. They got one play left, and they throw it, and, and they catch it, and it's game over, and people storm the field. Like, we love that kind of stuff. We love the walk-off home run. Maybe just me. I'm the baseball guy, right? I love the walk-off home run. You know what I mean? Uh, or if you're a golfer and you like watching the Masters, you love it when somebody hits a hole in one. You clap like this for it, but you love it. You know what I mean? It's like this, this big thing. We love these big moments. We love, and, and we love to see them. But here's what we often do when it comes to big moments. We often oversimplify them. Here's, here's what I mean. We often overlook little things because of their big impacts. We often overlook little things because, like business owners, business in the business world. There's a bunch of people that look at business owners and we're like, we assume because of how big the business is that it was one major decision that changed their life. Or we do that with millionaires, right? We look at people with wealth and we assume our, our idea, well, they must have won the lotto or they must have been, got a large inheritance. Or they made a lot of really small decisions and put them together, and that's what accumulated it, right? Let's go back to the sports world. Let's talk about the three-pointer, right? It's hard to, to talk about the three-pointer and not mention Steph Curry. Anybody not know who Steph Curry is? 
It's okay, we'll get you as the next analogy, okay? <laughs> Steph Curry, Steph Curry is the all-time leading three-point shooter in the NBA. Dude's record is continually growing. Here's something that we don't know, or you may not unless you research it like I did. But Steph Curry shoots around 1,000 shots per practice. 1,000 shots per practice. That means 1,000 times that they practice, he's working on his release point. He's working on the feel. He's working on making sure it leaves the right part of his hand. It's all of these little things that work together that equal the three-pointer. Does that make sense? It's not just one big moment. He's just not just throwing it up there. It's something that he's repeated over and over and over, and it's a bunch of little things put together, right? Here's some, a conversation we talk with Bradley. Is I'll tell you, Bradley, what makes a good baseball player? And he'll tell you it's doing the right thing, right, even when nobody's looking. But it's, it's doing all of the little fundamental stuff every time, the little things that people often overlook. You know what I mean? For, for a lot of young people, like I remember when I was growing up and we're playing baseball and when you think you got a cannon, you want to show it off. Like, I'm just going to be real. Your boy didn't have one. I had to put every ounce of my little body into those throws, right, to get it to where, but you try, you think you got a cannon, you're going to try to throw it from the outfield of the home plate. But the little thing used to hit your cutoff. It's faster to hit your cutoff, right? Let's talk about the home run. We can't mention sports, not talk baseball. I'm just going to be real with you guys, Okay. Talk about the home run. We love the home run. Why, why do we love the home run? Well, one, it, it's awesome to see how far people can actually hit a baseball. You know what I mean? Knowing that somebody that is trying to get them out is throwing the ball 90 to 95 miles per hour. Some of y'all's cars don't go that fast, okay? You know what I mean? So, like, 90 to 95, these guys crush it, they knock it out. There's two things to love about baseball. One is it's an automatic point. As a baseball player, the thing that I love the most about baseball is if you hit it out, you got to jog. You didn't have to run right? I love that. But what we often do is think like, okay, he got a fastball down the middle. The dude swung out of his shoes and that's how he got left the field. No, baseball players, this is so fun because you get an older kid and you put a T in front of them. They're like, I don't want to hit off a T because we've equated T-ball to something that little kids do. Pros hit off a T all the time. So for a home run to happen though, what that batter has done over and over and over again is worked on getting his front foot down early. Notice when he's swinging, his foot's not in the air, right? He's worked on keeping his hands inside the ball instead of getting around it. Because if you go long with a wood bat, your thumbs are going to be broke. It's going to hurt real bad, right? But he's also worked on keeping his barrel through the ball instead of just tapping, like pulling off the ball right then and there. It's all of these little things that lead to this big result, right? Can you see how we often overlook the little things because of their major impacts? I think we're going to see something similar in today's story, right? So we've set the scene, right? Daniel is kind of a big deal under this new king, under this new governmental system. He's still a standout. And and something we need to know is that the king loves Daniel. The king, like, you're going to see it when we dive into the text. So here's how it works out. Because, you remember there's 120 satraps, two other administrators. Because of the favor on Daniel's lives, these guys get jealous. This guy's not from our kingdom, right? He's not a Mede or a Persian. He's not one of us. He's outside of us. Why are you pouring so much favor on him? So what do they do? They plot against him. This should sound like last week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they do? They plotted against them, right? They went and told the king. So here's where it gets good. They tried to look for mess-ups in his integrity. They tried to see if he had a character flaw. 
Listen, if there's anything that I wish we would pour into our students more than anything into the next generation, it's that character matters. Character matters. Character is who you are consistently, right? Here's where we, let me, let me tell you where we kind of get thrown off. There's a difference between reputation and character. Reputation is who others say that you are. Character is who God made you to be. Does that make sense? Too many of us are living some sort of roller coaster of a life because we're trying to impress everybody. Well, now I'm trying to change my reputation, right? Our students are doing the same thing. We're trying to impress the right crowd and the right moment at the right time. You know what I mean? And what it would end up happening is they live this roller coaster of a life and then they get exhausted. They get depressed. They get burned out because I can't make anybody happy. Let me tell you something. You weren't designed to make everybody happy. You know what I mean? You were kind of, some of us were designed to step on some people's toes. How? By the way that we live our life. Because sometimes standing up for what's right steps on other people's toes. You know what I mean? Sometimes living our life for the right way steps on people's toes. So what they do is they try to see if he had a lapse in character and they couldn't find it. Daniel never lied. Daniel never cheated. He never raised up rebellions. He didn't do anything. Daniel served his kings. You'll hear that. Daniel served his kings. This is what verse 5 says. It says, Then these men said, We will never find any charge against Daniel unless we find something against him. What does that say? Concerning the law of his God. The, they, they get to this point like the only thing that we can pull against Daniel is his faith. Man, like how crazy would that be if that was what was going on today? Like if our character was so good that if anybody was trying to plot, the, the, their only response was like, listen, they're so consistent. They're so, they don't cheat. They don't, they don't lie. Their integrity is intact. The only way that we can get them out is by their faith. What does that mean? Daniel's faith is known. It's not something that's hidden inside of him. It's something that he's lived his life chasing. And if you remember in week one, what was supposed to be being removed from him? His faith, his culture, his name. So 40 years later, 40 years under a governmental system that doesn't fear God and what is still true, that Daniel still loves and pursues his God. 40 years, we don't like four. That's a presidential comment, by the way. You know what I mean? We don't. But guess what? We've been through some bad presidents, some good ones. We're still here. You know what I mean? If there's anything, let, let me, ooh, let me tell you, this is not prophetic. It's just the truth. There's going to be different people in the presidential office. It's true. Every four to eight years. God's still the same. God's still the same. His character is the same. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So why are we fretting over something that's going to change in the next four to eight years? I'm not going to say that. All right, let's go. <laughs> so here's what they do. They, they go after his faith. You know, an interesting question is, that I think we should ask is, does God still move in cultures that don't look like heaven? Right? And that our prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Essentially, you, you know what God's plan was for bringing heaven down to earth? 
the church. But let me show you where it's different than how we see it. It's not the church like this on a Sunday. It's the church like, hey, I'm going to throw your trash away for you. Is there a candy thing in here? You know what I mean? It's serving each other. It's love in the world. You know what I mean? God's plan for, for implementing heaven here on earth was the body of Christ. Why? Because you bear his image. That's what it is. When, when church becomes about just sitting in chairs and never applying it, this is how we fall into what's called religion. Religion doesn't move people. Religion actually creates division. You know what I mean? You, you, you bring unity into humanity when you love and you serve other people. Did you know Israel, Israel's original design was to be a blessing to all nations? If you read the Old Testament, did they do that? No. You know what his design is now to be, bring, be a blessing to all nations? The church. Does God have a master plan for the United States? A master plan? Yes, but I think we treat the U.S. like it's Israel. Let me be clear. Israel is God's chosen nation, not the United States. You know what God's plan was for blessing the, the United States? Churches in the United States. Image bearers in the United States. The United States should be blessed because the people who, do, who believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the earth, that have his Holy Spirit, are blessing people in the United States. That's how blessing happens. He chose, He blessed you with salvation and his Holy Spirit to be a blessing to everybody you ever come across. That's how the country gets blessed. Y'all are super quiet. <laughs> I've learned something. Learned something. I learned. Uh, I I used to have like this desire for us to be like a talk back, like rah kind of church. You know what I mean? I've learned we say amen when we agree, and we're quiet when we're challenged. <laughs> And I hope, that, I hope this is challenging. Like, I really do. So this is how the story goes, right? So they know that they can't, they can't, they can't get Daniel based on his integrity. So they, they go after his faith. So they, they, they go to the king. They're like, Darius! He's like, what's up, guys? Yeah, come on in. They're like, hey, you know what you should do? You should make a rule, an ordinance, that for 30 days, nobody can pray or worship to any other god except for you. Nobody. Now Darius is like, okay, that sounds good to me, right? Y'all go worship me. Y'all go pray to me. Like I'm in. They say, hey, even better. Once you sign it, you should make it to where it can't be changed. You can't go back on it. He's like, deal, sold, right? So now all of a sudden this ordinance is in place for 30 days, for a whole month. You can't worship, serve, or pray in, to any other God except for the king. This is what verse 10 says. It says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, so it's already in place, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, this is crazy. Like, Daniel knows that this document has been signed, right? Here's the crazy part. I didn't even cover this. There's a risk. Right? There's got to be a consequence for those that don't, that don't follow this ordinance. 
What's the consequence? Oh, they're going to get thrown into a lion's den. And the Bible says that they're like immediately going to get thrown into a lion's den. Right? So, so Daniel knows that this document has been signed. And what does he do? He goes home and he prays. What was he not supposed to do? Go home and pray. You know what I mean? He literally goes home in the Bible. Like if I'm reading, uh, I am reading this. But if I was there, I'm like, Daniel, like shut your window, bro. Like I get it. But why, why would you open it up? Why would you leave? Don't you know the risk? Like, don't you know what's going to happen? And he doesn't stop. What does he do? He goes and he does what he's done for 40 years. Even if his life is on the line. Man, it reminds me of what we talked about last week when it came to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Obedience to God was more important than life. Obedience to God for them was more important than life. Listen, we're not going to bow down and worship your statue. My God is able to save me. But even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to do it. Even if God lets me go in the flames, listen, I'm going to get life on the back end of this thing. People can threaten your life here, but they can't take the life that's after. And that's what Daniel's holding on. He's like, man, I, I get it. Like, okay, you got this thing in place. I'm going to go do what I've always done. But what I love is it doesn't just say he prayed. It says that he gave thanks. God, for 40 years, thank you that you've been with me. God, for 40 years, thank you that you've helped us stand out, that you've helped us make it through this tough time. God, for 40 years under different kings, thanks for keeping your hand on us. You know what's interesting to me? Is that they knew Daniel would pray and they knew when he would pray. Church, is our faith that evident? How, how, how did they know that the only way that they could plot against Daniel was against his faith? Because faith to him wasn't something he was hiding on the inside. Faith to him wasn't just something he was posting on his Facebook. Faith to him was something that he lived every day. He unashamedly went and prayed with the windows open, facing Jerusalem, facing his home place, facing where the temple would have been. Unashamedly, knowing the risk. My question, like, are we that gutsy? Oh, it's interesting because like COVID happens, churches shut down and we're like, oh, we're being persecuted. Okay, say that to a Christian in China. They're going to laugh at you. And something that I I wish that would have, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I I was hopeful post-quarantine, post-shutdown, PC, pre-COVID, post-COVID, one of those. Because, I, I man, if there was a time for us to, to realize how quickly something could be taken away, it was then. And we've fallen into the same habits. Average church attender, this is somebody that is considered a cons- consistent churchgoer is once every six weeks. That's the statistic. Church is something we negotiate. Remember, we're supposed to be the blessing to the world. And it's interesting. Okay, so does Daniel rebel? Yes. Where does he do it? In his home. Did Daniel have influence with the king? Yes. Daniel had a lot of influence with the king. Right? Could Daniel have created a public uproar because it was unfair to him and his people? Absolutely. Would the king have hurt him? Probably. But he didn't. Daniel didn't make a public rebellion. He went and prayed in his home. He didn't create an uproar. 
He didn't put a post in the Persian times, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. What did he do? What he's always done from the beginning, right? He just kept following God. If you look at the direction of our country, it's going further and further from the truth, right? The line between right and wrong is being wiped away. So we have an option. We can try to create a public uproar. Now, I'm just going to tell you, conversations on Twitter and Facebook aren't going to change the world. We're wasting too much time there. Conversations with people, that'll change individuals' worlds. You know what I mean? He didn't create a public uproar. He didn't blast the, the, the king on, on Twitter or Facebook. He just went and prayed. And he thanked God. I wonder, quite honestly, because of their relationship with the king, I wonder if he thanked God for the king. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be willing to bet, based on something that he says later, that I think he thanked God for the king. So, so this is what happens. They bust him because he prayed with the windows open. Way to go, Daniel. Right? They bust him. They know he's going to pray. So they, go, they run back to the king and be like, king, hey, you remember that, that thing that you signed? Yeah, yeah, the ordinance, nobody worshiping other gods, no praying, none of that. You got, they can only worship me. I thought it was a cool deal. Yeah, well, your boy Daniel, he's praying to his God. And this is, this is where it gets crazy. It says the king was displeased. Like it rattled the king. And it says that he tried to do everything that he could to take it back. This is a, a pagan king. This guy isn't, uh, uh, Jesus isn't around yet. This guy doesn't love God. He's not chasing God. He's not reading the Bible to understand God. If he's heard God, it's probably from Daniel's mouth. And he's, he's doing everything in his power to try to take it back because he realizes that these guys set Daniel up and he couldn't. This is what the Bible says, verse 16. It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him in the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, isn't this interesting? Does this, does this king believe in God? No, what's his statement? May your God whom you continually serve. What does that imply? I've seen you serve him continually. I've seen you chase him without stopping. That God that you're always talking about, Daniel, may he show up and rescue you. To me, this is like an indirect prayer. I'm just going to be real. It is. He's, he's basically, I hope, Daniel, I hope your God comes through. The one that you haven't stopped chasing. The one that you talk about. The one that you pray to. The one that got you in trouble. <laughs> I hope he comes through. And then it says a stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it. And so did the nobles. So that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Look at this. Then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. Why couldn't the king sleep? Because somebody he loved, life was on the line. There's two things to notice. First is that the king is hoping that God comes through. A, a king that doesn't believe in God is hoping that God shows up on Daniel's behalf. It reminds me of something we said last week, that when we're determined for the right things, God has made known. For 40 years, Daniel's been determined not about overthrowing the government, 
but about worshiping God. And what's happening? Well, when his life is on the line, it's like the king is praying for God to come through for him. You know what I mean? So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, is that the king is troubled that Daniel's in the lion's den. The king is struggling. Why is that interesting? Because Daniel doesn't believe what the king believes. They don't think the same way. Their values are not the same. But the king still loves him. What does that What does that tell me? You can serve somebody who thinks differently and still have an impact in their life. You can serve somebody that doesn't see the world that you do and still have an impact in their life. In fact, I would propose that that's why God has chosen you. And that's how he chooses to reveal himself. Is by you serving people who think differently, who look differently, who talk differently. Because I believe that it's through you that you're going to have an impact in their life. Remember last week we talked about this, is that maybe when God positioned us in this time and place, right? Because I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in purpose. I don't believe in accidents. I believe in purpose. That is it. Just to ask this question, is it possible that you're here right now because that's what God, God making you, Psalms 139, right? I knit you in your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. And I position you right now because I need you during this time. I think that's what Daniel would say. That I am, I am here right now. Maybe that's why he's thinking, God, God, thank you so much for, for positioning me here and now. And I believe you want to use me. I believe you want to, I, God, I don't know what it looks like. I'm down in the lion's den. But thank you so much because I think you want to use me. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. Let's look at how the story goes. Verse 19 says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the den. And when he reached the den, it says he cried out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Did did y'all see that? First, may the God. Now, because of Daniel's impact in his life, he recognizes God. It's not, hey, that God that you serve anymore. It's servant of the God who is alive, servant of the God who's moving, servant of the God who's changing life, who's healing, who's speaking life, who's restoring, who's building, servant of that God, Daniel. Has he come through, the one you served? Has he been able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel speaks up. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me. For I was found innocent before him and also before you, your majesty. I have not done harm. So let's build this scene. Imagine, like we read it. We know this about the king. The king is like torn up, right? The reason he's fasting, like imagine that, is because he's like, he's troubled. The Bible says he's in anguish. Like he's not just making it. Like the dude is struggling. Why? Because somebody he loves is in a lion den. In a lion's den. So at dawn, as soon as there's first light, the Bible says he runs. Daniel, servant of the Most High, are you there? Tell me he came through. What does Daniel say? It's not, yes, he did. It's, may the king live forever. What? Why would you say that? Like, why would you, this guy doesn't worship who you worship. He doesn't think the way you think. He doesn't value what you value. 
His whole ordinance was about making him a god, not your god. Why would you say, may the king live forever? Because you can honor somebody you don't agree with or didn't vote for and still worship God. That's what's happening on. You remember what God's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. What does that mean? Love the Lord with your thoughts and your emotions. Love the Lord with your entity. And love the Lord with your opportunities. That's what that means. If you were to look at the original language, that's what those words mean. But the other is love your neighbor as yourself. The second is equally as important as the first. Sometimes the best way to love God is through loving others. And I would propose oftentimes the way that we don't love God is by not loving others. Well, why would you say that? Well, because the person that you're hating on is made in the image of God. Well, they made bad decisions. Okay, so did you. Remember that's why Jesus had to come? Gospel, remember that story? I mean, you can honor somebody that you didn't vote for. You can honor somebody you don't agree with and, you're, and, and still worship God. In fact, I would propose you're called to do that. You're created to do that. I would propose that that's why Daniel had the influence that he had. Because he was really good at loving the kings that God positioned him under. So what does that look like today? Remember how I said I've been excited to get really honest with you? It's one of those moments. Whether you voted for our president or any other official, local, statewide, governmental, God positioned them in that place of leadership. If you don't agree with me, read Romans 1.13. Or not 1.13, Romans chapter 13. The Bible says to oppose that is to oppose God. Well, that's not biblical. I just told you it was in the Bible. Whether you voted for him or not, we can honor them even if we don't agree and still worship God. This is what we need to understand. To honor somebody doesn't mean I agree with them. To honor somebody doesn't mean I support their stance. To honor them means that I respect them because of the position that God has put them in my life. You have a boss that's a jerk, doesn't treat you right, you still honor him. You know what I mean? Kids, sometimes we don't make the right, we don't parent the best way all the time. The Bible tells you to still honor your parents. It's the, it's the only commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother and you'll live a long life in the land. Listen, we're humans. Every, each and every one of us, we all make mistakes somewhere down the line. But we are called to honor each other. And I would propose it's the Holy Spirit in your life that gives you the strength to do so. Looking at the story, Daniel doesn't agree with the practices of the Medes. He doesn't worship the gods of the Medes. He doesn't eat the food that the Medes eat. But he still honored the king. And because of that, he had influence. One more verse I want to look at. And I think this is going to seal the deal for the series. Verse 23 says this. The king was overjoyed. And he gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted God. For he trusted God. 
for he trusted God. Let me ask a question. Why was Daniel unharmed? Because he trusted God. Let me ask the bigger question. Where did he learn to trust God? Wasn't in the lines then. It was in his house on his knees when he was praying. We read this story and we focus on the mouths being shut. But the mouths were shut because of Daniel's... I mean, look at it. Six chapters, 40 years. Chapter 1. Right? We're going to remove everything for you. No, I can't do that. I need God. I need you to come through. And God, what does he do? He says that he gives him favor with the guard and the guard allows him to eat something that wouldn't defile himself. Trust God. Right? Daniel chapter 2, he gets the ability to interpret a dream and he interprets the dream. I trust God. God, thank you for the gift that you gave me. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? You got to bow down and worship this golden thing. I'm not going to do it. I only worship the king of kings. They get brought before the king. Okay, if you don't, I'm going to burn you. It's okay. I trust God. Chapter 6, 40 years later. There's an ordinance not to pray to any other God except for the king. What's changed? Nothing. He just kept doing what he's always done for 40 years. He trusted God. If there's anything that I know is true, it's that change is inevitable. Can we agree with that? Change is inevitable. But God is always consistent. And it was over 40, these 40 years that Daniel had learned to trust God. And I think it's time for us to start putting our trust in him today. To find our closet. To find out where we're going to, why? To answer the question, why, would, why are we going to be determined? Because I trust God. Well, it looks like your bank account's about to run dry. That's okay. Trust God. Man, my marriage is struggling. That's okay. I trust God. This is changing. That's okay. I trust God. There's a presidential election. It's okay. I trust God. Even presidents are underneath the King of Kings. You know what I mean? That's what this whole series comes down to. You want to know how to make it through a culture that doesn't look like God, doesn't look like heaven? You trust God. You pray. It's the little things that make the biggest differences. So I guess the questions that I would close with is, in the future, in the years to come, will we be as determined as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel? I'm going to go with those three four names. Can we be as determined as they are to not give up what we know is true? In the years to come, when things get crazy, because they probably are, will we have an even if faith? I know my God is able, but if he, even if he doesn't, I still trust him. He's still going to show up. That even if our lives are on the line because somebody comes at our faith, will we continue to trust God? That's what we're called to do, right? Trust God. And I would propose that it's in your trusting God that people will see the God that you continually serve. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me. Just remind you, if you're online or if you're one of those that like to leave early, don't leave early. Ministry team, if you guys will come up and listen, this is 
Just being real. If you struggle with trusting God, that's why God has given us the church to remind ourselves of the stories that God has pulled through on. It's called testimony. I think testimony is one of the most underutilized gifts in the church. It is. You may have a story of how God delivered you that somebody else needs to hear. You may need prayer for something. Prayer for trusting God. And that's what these people up front are here for. (laughs) Sometimes it requires you to trust God to go ask for prayer. You know what I mean? So dearly Father God, I just thank you for life. God, I thank you so much that the Old Testament is relevant. And throughout our lives, going through the changes and changes, I pray that we just hold on to what's true and what's consistent. That you're good and you're always there. My favorite promise Jesus said at the Great Commission, he said, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. So no matter what's going on around us, let us feel your comfort. That's what, you, that's what you call the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And let us feel your peace. It's in your name we pray. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.